the problem is always coming back to scales and context, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, what does that mean to you? <laughs> so for me, I mean, my, my context and my scale. So I, I literally did little emojis to my friend when she asked, so what's your definition of balance today? And I did like heads flipping, you know, like doing cartwheels and, because I know for me, I always have to be active. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Movement Matters. It's been a little while. Um, this podcast was recorded a month and a half ago. <laughs> There's been a lot happening. The uh, This will be a lot about the course that's coming starting soon. It's available for purchase now. We'll get into that. A lot about COVID. <laughs> and starting with George Carlin. Um little alliteration there. Course COVID Carlin. Basically, I got COVID. Uh, so did Griffin. We're good. And it's it was pretty draining. I uh, lost a little weight, but starting to get rid of the cobwebs, starting to feel like coming out of the COVID cobweb land. Uh, there's no kit. There's no joke. It, or it's no joke. It wasn't... Uh, it, it still isn't easy. And... Yeah, not much more to say about that other than that it is it is draining. It's for real. And I have a tendency to want to push myself. So <laughs> noting noting that for myself, noticing how that is tricky, needing to slow down, needing to rest, yet wanting to promote and quite frankly sell this course and everything else that we have going on and be part of everything that is happening, which is a lot. And we're going to go through all of it in this intro. This will be a long one. There's a lot that's been building and there's a lot of rust to dust or to um, clear off and <laughs> clean off here. I apologize for any <clears throat> sounds I'm making with my nose and throat. It's still, yeah, still working through COVID. I think I'm only in my second week of uh, having gotten it and and recovering. Feeling better though. Definitely feeling better. Griffin had a rough morning. He still gets tired, but I'm feeling better. And the tired part is the real part for sure. Um, was able to work out and push through some some of that today, which was great. Uh, hopefully not too much. Did an ice bath as well, which feels like it was helpful. But again, not too much. That's the key right now. So not much more to say about COVID other than that it is... <clears throat> It uh, packs a punch for sure, in case you didn't know that. This was obviously my first time getting it. During my first few days of having COVID and resting, I watched, because it came out, the uh, American Dream, the Carlin documentary, George Carlin. If you haven't watched it, I recommend it. If you are even a little bit of a fan of George Carlin, I trust you'll become even more so. I, I've known some of his work relatively well. 
especially the bit about stuff, of course, the seven words, um, his time in, <laughs> I think he was in Dogma briefly. He was in, yeah, he's definitely been in uh, Jay and Silent Bob stuff and Kevin Smith work. He's been, obviously, he's he's a huge figure, and he was just inducted into um, the hall, so to speak, for comedians. I want to say a line from the documentary, which really stuck out to me. And, you know, another C word that fits in with this alliteration, cynicism and cynical. Um, (laughs) I have a lot I need to get out. And there's no question that there's a hint of cynicism that I'm feeling right now. And you might be as well. Um, I doubt it's just me. If there's one thing I try to remember for myself, it's that it's never just me going through something or experiencing something. Obviously, you know, it's almost narcissistic to even think it could just be you, but remembering it sometimes takes a little effort. And I I know I'm not the only one struggling with the, the sense of, well, just with whatever your version of everything going on is. It's a lot right now. And I, you know, when I mapped out this intro, I was thinking a lot about George Carlin. I was thinking a lot about what I was getting from his work there in, his, in the documentary. But I don't want to say too much. I'll just say <clears throat> there's one line, which is, bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Unfortunately, I think we can go one step further, um, which is to say this bullshit, so to speak, is what binds us as a species. And it is not working. It never really worked. It certainly doesn't seem like it's going to work much longer. Some people have figured out how to take advantage of the bullshit, but it's not... I don't think it's going to work, and I think we all kind of know that. There's something to say about technology, groups, group think. Hmm. But I think this is, this, so to speak, bullshit, I'm using his word, is partly baked into the system. It's partly how the system was designed. And you think about the foundations of this country in terms of beliefs, everything comes back to certain beliefs and we need to reconcile whether or not they're working for us, whether or not they serve what we actually need as people, as a collective. Take that first, take that little bit on its own there, the extreme of individualism. Everything kind of is about these extremes and this extremism. And of course, I'm recording this at the end of May, like I said, a month and a half after Uh, We actually did this episode. There's going to be a lot more episodes coming out shortly, but there's been a lot to do. And one of the horrifying things that has happened, well, there have been a couple of shootings, but (laughs) they're all big. They all matter. But the one at Robb Elementary was just recent. And they have lots of guns in other countries. They have lots of guns in Switzerland, for example, if you really want to look into other countries and other countries with specific kind of quote-unquote gun culture. Switzerland is a great example. It's 
not about being defensive. It's not about being guarded. It's, it's hard to even explain what it's about. It's just, uh, it's a tool, but it's not a tool for guarding and defending and maintaining something arbitrary. There's just too much belief tied into this whole gun culture in the United States. And it is, it isn't clear if there's one particular aspect of it that is worth blaming, but there is no question that there, there's a culture of extremism, attempting to use other words. Bottom line is, though, it's not not okay and it has to we have to recognize that like with so many things gosh even even the in the last month and a half everything that's come up with Roe versus Wade so to speak has has been uh going on and there's a podcast that'll be coming out soon with Barb Meza we talk a little bit about that and well mostly I just listened to her that is to say I don't believe any form of extremism can be ignored any absolutism can be ignored and the relationship we have with guns is obviously extreme the relationship we have with we being as a collective as a so to speak country and hopefully a unit or well ideally a unified culture we have a extreme relationship with control and it's not working it's not gonna work I get accused of being spiritual because I guess I think critically and I question things. I don't know if that's fair to say spiritual, but I guess it's the best word. But the bottom line is we need to think. We need to think critically. And if that's what spiritual means, fine, then be spiritual. We need to think critically might be the most important skill that we need because we're deeply wrapped up in certain beliefs and certain belief systems which are I don't know what they serve. I don't think that they serve what we really want. <clears throat> they seemingly don't serve more life. They seemingly don't serve the expression of joy and fulfillment and creativity and newness. Love does come to mind, and people love matters. There's no question that <clears throat> it probably does mostly come down to love, but if your version of love doesn't know how to handle some violations and violence and anger and righteousness, then that doesn't seem like it's helping. I don't know how we're going to move forward lovingly, but there also needs to be some some kind of righteousness, something, a loving righteousness. I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's I know it's okay and it's what's needed and it it definitely <laughs> doesn't sound as serious as this. It's definitely not <clears throat> it has humor built into it, but it's not ignorant. There's there needs to be a willingness to think critically and to discern that which is ignorant and what we are ignoring. Why is it hard for us to think critically? Um I don't think it's laziness. I think it's culture. 
I've met so many smart people. I think the issue is time and space. If I've, I've met hardly anyone, if you don't give them time and space, they can't think deeply and critically. But if you do give them that, if you create the time and if you create the space to think, it's actually pretty easy. I've, I've experienced this with countless people. It actually is pretty easy to pause and breathe and reflect. But it requires time and space. So in our culture, we don't give ourselves enough space. We don't give ourselves enough time. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we have to. So we've made ourselves too busy. Okay. We've made ourselves too square, scared, too anxious, too insecure. Okay. Well, now we need to make time for feeling safe and secure and for slowing down together. And we have done it to ourselves. We have to acknowledge that we are doing, we're all part of this. We're all doing this to ourselves. We all have the capacity to engage differently, to create a different way of using time and space. That's true. It's tempting to want to blame people, to want to demonize and condemn, but that won't really get you very far if it gets you anywhere. We can't really blame anyone. It is, at the end of the day, all of our responsibility, no matter what the context is. We have the capacity to use time and space differently and better, all of us together. With respect to resources, home structures, land, water, food, waste, music, celebration. Why do we celebrate? What are we celebrating? Really, what are we celebrating and why? Are we allowing for more? Are we allowing for something new? We need to. Clearly, we need to. Not, not to sound too provocative, but there's this death march that... <laughs> it's a death march. The violence is a death march. The extremism, the absolutism, it's a death march. If our thinking and our speaking and our behaving and our organizing and our relating and our controlling, it's all dominating and micromanaging and and we're just reinforcing something that's clearly not working. And I'd say it's counter to life. You don't have to call it death, but it's not working. The foundation seems somewhat rotten. I don't know if it need. it doesn't need to be fully torn down, of course, but that wouldn't work. I'm not suggesting that at all. That's a, that's just more scapegoating, more throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But you cannot deny like something's in need of a major upgrade. A foundational detail needs upgrading. This propensity towards death and violence and absolutes and extremes is too much. It's too normal. We call it natural. It's not natural. It's normal, but it's not natural. Don't become apathetic or complacent or even stubborn or conceited. Don't be lazy. Think critically. There is a different way, and we can all be part of it, and we need to talk about it. I don't think the alternative is hypothetical or fictional or fantastical or idealist. It's just not 
It doesn't get enough attention. If we give it more attention and we're careful and methodical and dare I say loving about it, but not in some hippy-dippy way, (laughs) not in some Pollyanna way, in a true, honest, raw, uncomfortable way, but safe at the same time, we can see an alternative. That's what I got from George Carlin. (laughs) So, go watch American Dream. And uh, we'll talk after that. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Rebecca. Um, Real quick about... Well, actually, we'll come back to her. We'll end with a little bit about Rebecca. Because she's the guest here. And honestly, a lot of what I just said is relevant to the conversation with her, hence I'm allowing myself to say all of this within this, in relationship to her. It's a big conversation, and it's the first of... It's the first one, because she and I have been talking about getting into this material for a while, and this was simply... This was the start. But um, we'll come back to that. Um, We'll also come back to our sponsors. But Rob Elementary, you've all heard of it now. Down in Valde, Texas. Uh, I'll say this. It's May 31st. On June 25th, we're going to have a letter-writing day. So that'll be about a month after the shooting. And you're welcome to come to Koru. Come to Koru and join us for letter-writing. And we'll be writing to specific politicians, but the bottom line is we want to do something, and if you want to do something, this is a good option. This is a good way to engage and for all of us to connect together. I think it might be, it's not just cathartic. I've wondered about that. Like, what can we do that isn't just cathartic? I mean, we still need to talk about Ukraine, for God's sake. What can we be doing? This is just one option. But most importantly, I think coming together, communicating together, connecting, and deliberately being engaged with each other is necessary. No matter who you are, no matter what your quote-unquote identity or ideology, ideally you check those frequently and regularly. But no matter what, June 25th is the day that we're all going to get together and write letters. You'll hear more about that over the next couple of weeks. Um, you're probably, Hopefully you've already heard about it before this podcast is released. But I wanted to leave you with that as far as just addressing <clears throat> some of the bigger picture issues. Um, there's so much to say about the course. I don't want to transition just into that, but it is ready. It is ready. We are starting it on June 27th. Very, very soon. All of our ducks will be in a row to start on June 27th. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to shift into that mode completely here. So it's available to purchase now for $100 off, and that's going to be finished on June 10th. Then we're going to 
bump everything to the normal pricing. There'll be a 10-day period where we're really pushing for the final sales because the idea here is you go through the course with us, with us instructors. I'm not the only one. And we go through it week by week together, starting again the week Monday, June 27th. It'll be nine, possibly 10 weeks, because there is a bonus, but it'll be nine weeks minimum. The ideal is that we go through it together as a group, like an actual class, like an actual college level course, if you will. This is meant to, as I was just talking about, critical thinking. This is meant to be a very engaging, thought-oriented, but of course, movement, fundamentally movement-based exploration together, moving out of our own way, moving out of our own way together, discovering what that means. And the way we're going to discover that, as you can see on the website, if you go to the landing page for the course, is we're going to break down movements and aspects of movement that we all have to do and that we all do on a daily basis and that we can be taking more, getting more out of, taking more advantage of, getting the most out of. From the ground up, we like to say, with respect to the feet, paying attention to gravity, how we organize our bones, the most mundane activities, sitting to standing, lying down to standing, back down, walking, breathing, but getting every little detail that we can out of it, because that is what's needed. Whether you relate to it in the context of a particular sport or simply getting stronger, moving more freely, relieving pain, these are the foundational human (laughs) movements and movement patterns that we all have to do, no matter what, and we can get more out of. And by getting more out of, we can understand that there is more freedom to choose in a broader context, in the largest context that we're going to be exploring, because not every week is a movement, so to speak, week. Sometimes we're actually going to literally just be discussing things. Um, The broadest context of discussion is how we all relate to each other in the context of a community, a collective. So... Moving out of our own way as individuals, moving out of our own way together as a community, as a collective. There is no real way to do it without both. Both are necessary. And that is what we're going to be exploring. (laughs) So, again, it's available $100 off right now because this is the premiere. We're launching it right now. We're all starting on June 27th. And then we go and we take a ride. Then we'll launch it again in the fall after those nine weeks and a little change. We'll do it again. But the key is right now, know that it starts June 27th. Good to reserve your spot now and get ready to go to dive deep. This is going to be a very, very, it'll be fun for sure. But it'll be a very, very thought-oriented, thoughtful, focused, deep dive, like an actual class. That's the idea. Okay. Now on to a little bit about our guest. We're going to leave it at that. And (laughs) I feel like I've got some of the cobwebs out. Here's the last bit for the intro. I met Rebecca seemingly a while ago, simply through social media. 
like a lot of people and like a lot of people that join me for this show. We connected because it seemed like there was an authentic, valuable bond that could be that we could establish in a in a way that would serve us and and would serve us in ways that we weren't able to really see. And that is exactly what Rebecca and I have done, and I am so grateful. Um, I'm just literally going to read her bio, and then we're going to get into it. Again, this is part one with Rebecca. We haven't recorded part two yet as of the end of May, but we will be soon, I assure you. And a lot of people could become recurring guests, and I do hope Rebecca is one of them. Let's say that. Um, All right. I've covered everything that I need to for the intro, and so I will leave you with this with regard to Rebecca. And thank you to our sponsors. I will be highlighting all of you in the next intro, to say the least. Okay. So Rebecca Schumann is a global trotter, entrepreneur, and mental health advocate. She is a full-time advertising marketing professional working with some of the world's most prominent brands, orchestrating their comms and strategic planning across various countries. Rebecca has a private coaching practice and mentors individuals across the globe in personal and professional development. She currently works with children aged four, ages four through six uh, through an organiza- organization called Football Con Corazon, Soccer with Heart where the four values of tolerance, respect, honesty, and solidarity are taught through the sport of soccer via a pedagogical model that's been successfully implemented in Colombia for the last 15 years. She's an avid traveler, excuse me, triathlete, we know she's a globetrotter, dancer, and yogi. Her biggest pastime is spending time with family and friends and or at one of her favorite and independent bookstores. Thank you, Rebecca. And thank you all. I will see you soon. This is Miss Rebecca Schumann. Let me explain that. (laughs) Because I don't agree with it. I think that I'm just a little bit more willing to say that you don't have just a dog, you have a kid. That's all. I just think of it more as a kid. And I think that there's like a different attitude. It's like, it's not just a toy. It's a kid. So to me, maybe, and sometimes maybe that rubs people the wrong way. It's like, no, you have a kid. Like for you, I mean, some people, you probably call your fur baby or hair. Yeah, It's true. It's my son. See, there you go. (laughs) My baby. That's right. I mean, everything I am, I love all. I'll have all animals. But uh, if you have a dog, you have a kid, basically. That's my only point. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We are very needy. It's true. I didn't say that. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pointing out that your life, your life is organized around taking care of your kid for all intents and purposes. That's right. Yeah. So. 100%. How is your dog? He's good. He's happy. He's been out all day, so. He's gotten good exercise. I fed him already. I mean. And that stuff you had to think about. You had to, right? You had to plan for that. Exactly. Well, it becomes routine now, but yeah. Yeah. Like hopefully taking care of a human kid sometimes does. That's right. A 
Yeah, the only two real differences that stand out to me are, uh, sorry if it sounds morbid, but of course, the canine kid, the lifespan's a little shorter. Mm -hmm. And and in that time frame, it's probably a little more predictable, I think. I suspect it's a little more predictable. Yeah, that's true. He's literally staring at me like, (laughs) Mama, my time is not predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Relatively predictable. It's Relatively. so funny. I feel like he wants in on this conversation. <laughs> well, maybe he knows that to some extent there's like a <clears throat> an unpacking, uh, whatever we call it, masculinity or male energy thing that he wants to comment on. Maybe he's like he, you know, he thinks he's relevant to this. This is so funny. What is that piece, by the way, in the back? I forgot to ask. It looks like a. Like like this kind of a symbol, like a oh yeah, okay. it's just a painting, I guess. Okay, nothing particularly special about it. No. Okay. Oh wait, is this the fake? This isn't the fake background. Oh, it is. You're not I was like, I completely, I completely forgot it was a fake background. Like I haven't interpreted that yet. It's because I took the Office Depot one off. That's why. The Home Depot. The Home Depot. I oh. forgot you had a fake background on there. Yeah. I'm so. It's right. very deceiving. I know. Nobody's gonna see your real background, by the way. If you want to have a real background. No, it's okay. It's very Miami. I feel like I'm mm. home. How is Miami today? It's very rainy and stormy. Oh. As I was, I was mentioning to you, I was running around in the rain. So. Yeah, right. it's a, uh, I mean, it rains, it starts to rain here in April a lot, okay. but yeah, when it starts, it doesn't stop. So I think we're going to be all day rain today, but it's okay. We need it. Oh, so it's, well, it's tropical. So this is the rain season down there. Huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah. sort of similar up here, but it seems like we're Really in spring today, although it's supposed to get a little colder in the next couple of days again. But yeah, I miss the cold weather. Wait, you miss the cold weather? Yeah, I'm not. I know. I so I was I was born in, in Cuba. Well, I was just yeah. So I was born it. in Cuba. So my my like I'm meant to be like loving the heat and Caribbean, but my grandparents were actually Polish Russian, and so I feel like I that blood because when I lived in London and I lived in New York, I'm, I'm actually better. I also lived in Boston for four years because that's where I studied, but I'm better in the cold than I am in the heat. Like the humidity, I don't do well in humidity. So that's why I'm happy at training today. Yeah. I know rare Miami person not enjoying or loving the heat, but Hey, <laughs> well, it may, highlight the reality of your genetics how the genetics plays a role in it right Mm -hmm. that's so true because some people don't like the cold a lot of people don't like the cold especially where i've lived everyone's like what are you doing here are you crazy like every time i would go through airport security in london they'd be like are you mad (laughs) like you're coming from miami what are you doing here (laughs) but yeah you've lived in london Boston, yeah. Cuba, Miami. Did you ever live in more deeper into Europe? I lived in Belgium for a bit, but very short oh, yeah. I remember we time. talked about that. 
And then I did a study abroad in Israel. So I was out in the Middle East too. And we acknowledge the auspicious nature of today, right? Yes, that's so, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. We'll pretend I'm a good Catholic and you have to say, <laughs> I, know. Uh, we'll have to I don't know what, I, I don't know what we say. Happy Good Friday. I forget what we say. <laughs> yeah. I know my friend was asking me about this in Judaism. She's like, I know there's high holidays, but I don't want to say on the high holiday that, you know, is kind of morbid or like somber, happy Yom Kippur, you know? And I was like, no, you just say like, have a meaningful fast, you know? So we were talking about the greetings. So it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Happy Passover. Right. Happy Passover. So you don't say happy meaningful fast today. No, we're not, not fasting not today. Fasting, yeah. We're actually doing the opposite. We're eating and drinking, drinking a lot. So. Well, I know you've got hibiscus juice, so I didn't know if that was part of a juice fast for mm-hmm. today. No, that's just because well, it's, it's tasty. Very good. It's very, very tasty. Good. Yep. 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 I've never yep. had it. It's good. Yeah, it's like a little citrusy kind of vibe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like hibiscus tea. I don't know if you've had it. Sure. Yeah. It's like I love it. Mm-hmm. Belgium. I forgot you had talked about Belgium because that has something to do with your. Remind me how you found out about Koru. Let's just go there. Yes. So it seems like so long ago, even though it's not. It seems like so long ago, and we still haven't found the connector. So there was someone that I knew. <laughs> now that we're talking about this, <laughs> someone mentioned Koru to me because I was posting a lot about mindfulness, men's like health and, you know, just well-being overall. And they said, have you seen Koru? And they mentioned your podcast. They said, you should listen to the podcast. And so I went on your page and that's how I found Koru. And I loved, as I mentioned to you, I loved everything that you're doing. And so I was exposed to a version of that in the UK and I hadn't seen that in the States and especially being in Miami, uh, knowing that it's such a like hub for people to heal in a way. I find it interesting that there's not, you know, something similar to what you're doing down here. So that's what that, yes, but that's what interested me even more about your work and what you do and all your events. So well, they're probably, yes. And of course, there probably are similar offerings. It's a huge city with so many people. Of course, there's going to be something similar, whether it's just a different brand. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, nope. Okay. You live there. You know. Like I've, I've researched. I mean, I'd be surprised if someone after this talk comes, you know, knocking on your door saying, hey, we're here. But I know a lot in the UK, but I, yeah, I just haven't seen something like that here. Well, I guess I know we have a certain amount of time. We want to get into you, but why don't we go a little bit further as to what you perceive? Because this will be a unique episode no matter what, Mm -hmm. Uh, least of all because we've never met in a conventional sense, yet we seem to be having a fun time chatting no matter what. And mm-hmm. I, you've got a breeze. Did you, is the breeze no. part of zoom or no. is it? It's the, it's the, I have a fan on cause it's okay. really hot. And like I mentioned to you, I'm like, I need cold. So yes. <laughs> the fan I, is don't know if, I don't know if you used the zoom it's feature not, for a fake breeze. It's not the Beyonce effect. Trust me. I, I stay away from that. 
<laughs> she probably likes Miami. Um, but what what is it that stands out to you from what you've seen since you, since you do have a unique perspective about Koru from a social media and web presence? What does stand out to you? This is market research for me right now. Just yeah, you know, no, this is notes. great. No, I no, I just feel like from a service offering, it's not even just the social media aspect and what you offer. You know, digitally, I think just. You know, for me, I was—I think we had this conversation in the past. For example, I do triathlons, right? And so for me to get to like an ice bath or do cooling or recovery, I have to go to a separate location, you know, to train. I'm at another location to get my nutrition and to get my mindfulness. I have two other different centers. So what I love about Koru is that it's all inclusive and it seems so holistic. So from, you know, a one-stop shop, if you will, for me, something like that would be incredible here because then, you know, you don't need to, I mean, imagine how much time I lose just uh, going from point A to B, you know, and I have five, I just mentioned like four or five places or needs that I have. And I, I literally have to drive to each of them. So yeah. transit alone, you know, where you could spend like half a day or even a full day in a place like yours. So. Makes sense. Yeah. One-stop shop. I guess the model of course, that we are following is that one-stop shop more conventionally, I guess, called a, retreat center or a kind of center and there are i can think of examples closer to here i don't know miami or florida in general so yeah mm -hmm. uh, between here and new york i imagine there are other examples yeah big retreat centers uh, and then up in new england i know a few out west and southwest of course um the retreat center model is probably the most familiar yeah but, um yeah i guess i just don't know that you have those in Miami or yeah. in London for that matter. No, I mean, retreat, when I think of retreat centers and I haven't researched this in a while, but I know that Miami and California, well, maybe not California so much anymore, uh, but Miami retreat centers are for solely people with addiction. Yeah. Recovery. People recovering. So it's not a retreat center for you know, it, it's not really a, re, it, it's a retreat center for recovery. It's not a retreat center for holistic healing and wellness. Even if you're not, you know, you don't have to be sick or just unhealthy or whatever. It's more about sustain, you know, there's no sort of sustaining model here. It all seems it's kind of react reactionary in a well, in a way it's not being at the forefront and saying, you know, this is what we're going to do to help minimize, you know, um, you feeling like crap essentially. So, or minimize, you know, pain from, you know, different marathons slash triathlons slash, you know, hardcore training and, and athletics and sports which is odd because it's a very sporty sort of environment and very healthy environment. Everyone is outdoors all the time. So, I mean, I could be missing something again. I haven't researched it, but from the last time I looked, you've got your spas, 
you've got your recovery centers, which are, you know, rehab. Yeah. Rehabilitation centers and retreats. But yeah, I know cousins that go to like California just to get what you have. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can think of uh, in California, the I mentioned Feldenkrais to you just a few days ago. He used to teach at Esalen in, I think, Big Sur. So that's a very relatively well-known model. I don't know to what extent they're relevant today, but they certainly were in previous decades. They may very well still be. I just don't know a lot about California's models at this point. And plus, things are always changing right now very quickly, it seems. Um, You know, that's a fun question we could dig into and just get dive deep. Like, what does it... Because... As you're talking, I'm realizing that is a very significant paradigmatic approach that we prioritize here is not how do you feel better, but how do we, what is it that's relevant for us to actually normally feel wonderful and great and, and good, fundamentally good? What is it that has to shift or we have to become more aware of or have to reprioritize or reorganize or restructure, uh, reevaluate so that we normally feel great? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love this question because that's exactly what I've personally been focusing on for years now. And just for context, because I was, I've been in the corporate world since I, you know, graduated from college. So for me, I experienced burnout and all these things that people are talking about today in my mid twenties. Right. So like I knew, you know, a, a long time ago that I needed to prioritize my well being just from my personal experience. And so for me, it's, it's a number of things and it's, it's what you speak of and what you represent and have at core, which is, mind, heart, body, and soul. You know, it's those four things. It's how do you cater to your physical, your mental, your spiritual, and your soul, you know, needs because mental too. Like, you know, we, we've, I think throughout the years, people have been touching on these, you know, like, uh, benefits and how to feel better in these different areas sort of in silo but they've never done it holistically and that's why I think a centering like yours called me and why there is such a need for that model today especially um, coming out of the pandemic but for me I learned to prioritize that because I've always been anxious ever since I was little you know, I can't sit still. So in today's world, I would have been diagnosed with ADHD, like all these things. Um, but I grew up luckily, you know, uh, being given like all these different activities. Like I was in music, I was in dance, I was in sports. I've always been involved in different areas um, just to keep me busy, you know, cause I was always really active and I loved adventure. Like in Venezuela, there was a hill where like the little boys would literally take their tricycles and like drop, like they would just go like flying down this hill. Like it's from a mountain. It's, it was like super steep. And I would be the only girl, like five-year-old 
I'm just like going with them. And my mom would say, oh my God, like she would like pray for me every time. But, you know, it's, it's to keep the mind going and to also keep your body moving. I mean, you represent movement and I feel, you know, because I was sitting at a desk just to give the context of the corporate, you know, I, I grew up playing sports. I wasn't used to sitting in front of a computer all day. That was one. So by the end of my day, I would end up doing headstands in my cubicle. Imagine, you know, just because I needed like energy flowing. That was what my body was calling for. It was like literally turn upside down. Like that's, that that was my end of day ritual. Like I would literally be in a headstand and whoever walked past my cubicle was like, what is happening here? Like, she's so stressed out, you know, but it was just my way of releasing, you know, whatever energy I had pent up. So even from the early days of working, I knew that I needed to move. And so I started what I call today is breaking up the day. And I, and I, share this with my friends. I share this with my mentees because I also do mentorship on the side, but, uh, you know, volunteering, but I, I say to them, you, you have to break up your day so that there's movement so that you're, even if you don't have anxiety, you know, it just, it helps sort of keep you present, you know, and appreciative and of what's important. So, Yeah, I learned that from a really, I would say, younger age. Curious at what age you would say this anxiety, as you use the word, began. Mm -hmm. But before you answer that, I think, yes, the movement, the podcast is called Movement Matters. Clearly, Mm -hmm. you knew that, and that has to do with why somebody recommended it to you. The um, primary tool that I... I guess, teach, but also I simply organize everything around his movement. I've mentioned Feldenkrais. His line was life is movement. Um, We added you are life. Life Mm -hmm. is movement. You are life. You are life. Life is movement. The context of somatics is really what I think all of this ties into, but laying all those terms out there, laying all the um, more deeper context, as you said, I would be curious in general i am curious what everything would be like for you for me for us together for every you know the largest scale possible being i think uh the global um socio-political economic and ecological um dance that we're all partaking in if we understood what it meant to prioritize movement Mm-hmm. I don't see how life couldn't uh, dramatically be flipped on its head. The experience couldn't be dramatically flipped to that question of normally feeling wonderful. Normally, I'll just say not feeling anxious for one damn right. for one very important point. Normally, mm-hmm. not wondering. Normally, not ruminating. Normally, not feeling confused. Normally, not being confused. Mm-hmm. Flipping all of that to me, movement is the only piece that consistently. Um, uh, tests well, we'll say. Yes. I mean, for me, it's resulted in that because running alone, when you run, I mean, people talk about, you know, this runner's high. I've never experienced runner's high. I have a friend who smiles every time she runs. That's not me. (laughs) (laughs) But you run a lot. Like you said, you're triathlete. But it's, you know, it's movement and it, and it does, to your point, it does help 
you know, clear your mind and just focus on the important things, you know, versus ruminating over the small stuff. Well, you know, I, I pay attention to, like, here's an interesting concept, like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like people will talk about how, or there's, there's something will come up about, say, especially this time of year, like I want to garden more. God, I feel so damn good that I'm gardening and I'm, yeah. you can almost see exactly where that's going to go. It's like, okay, so hypothetically, that is movement at its finest mm-hmm. in the sense that there's no, we're not thinking about it. Thinking about it is actually kind of weird to me. Exercise is actually really weird to me. Fitness is actually kind of bizarre to me. But we do it because we've outsourced normal context for movement, like gardening, like growing food, like walking from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And it's so mundane, it's so asinine in a sense almost to make these distinctions, yet everything would be different if that wasn't perhaps out of balance or if there was a potentially more balance. But nostalgia creeps up and it's like, oh, well, we should go back to it. No, 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 that's not the answer. I don't think we should go back. It's a question of how do we, what do we need to learn in order to actually go forward? Yeah, and how do we integrate and make it our own today? Because, I mean, you mentioned fitness. Every person is so different. So, I mean, I can touch on meditation alone. I started studying meditation ages ago too, and there's different, you know, methods, as you know, and the one that may work for you may not be ideal for me and vice versa. It just, everyone, that's why, you know, I feel really fortunate to be having this conversation with you right now, because it's, you know, I don't feel people appreciate enough how unique we really are and how much we do need to integrate and make things our own, even though, you know, you mentioned the external factors fitness alone, you know, there's all these different modalities and methods of learning and even, you know, skills and tips I get for my triathlons, they may work for the average person or, you know, the majority, but it may not be what benefits and what, you know, really drives impact in me. So what kind of meditation, so to speak? Well, okay. Before I ask that, yeah, <laughs> I think built into every single flavor uh, is a, a consistency and a, a sort of objectivity, um, and that's why I always come back to movement and and the 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 part that I'm personally I get most excited about and nerd out about is like what's you know hence the name of the business is real wellness Koru real wellness what's consistently universal what's most relevant for most of us most of the time what's essentially true over and over and over knowing that we might learn more and that you know the answer could and hopefully will evolve but what is it that is consistently true that we can discern and i think there's a lot there it just doesn't negate like you said the uniqueness and the the individuality it's important that there's both like medit I don't know what kind of meditation you do, but it's, yeah. it's still I mean, meditation. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. That's true. It is still meditation and the method is very different, but you know, the meditation I learned is called Raj yoga and I have done everything from transcendental all the way to Zen and et cetera, you name it. 
Um, but Raja Yoga, I learned, I mean, this is a funny story. It's a long story, but long story short is my mom and I ended up at the center, not knowing that we were both going at the mm. same time on the same night. And I just found that so, you know, uh, serendipitous in a way. I know there's no coincidences because I believe everything happens, you know, when it's meant to, right time, uh, place, etc. But Raja Yoga, so what they teach, it comes from India. And what they teach is essentially how to meditate with your eyes open. So that when you're having a conversation, you know, when you think meditation, people think, okay, I need to close my eyes. I need to silence. I need to still my mind or silence my mind, which is even worse. <laughs> like that's like, no, <laughs> but it teaches you actually how to tune into being present. You know, I mean, Eckhart Tolle talks about this, the power of now he's, he's a Brahma. It's called Brahma Kumari. Um, but they're the ones that teach Raj yoga. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, I get it. It sounds like folk being able to focus as opposed to, like you said, having, um, being perceived as having a, you know, any kind of inability to focus, uh, whatever projection or label you want to give it, or, um, it just sounds like the ability to focus is, is that. Yeah. Not... And just not detach from your reality, because I feel that when people meditate, you are taught to go into this whole other world, you know, and it's, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's about being present and feeling like being here now, but also having that meditative state where you can be in, in meditation in a way, you know, you can be still, it's not just the focus, it's the peace that comes with it too. And the intention of your communication as well. Um, give and take. So, yeah. There's a definite, I, you didn't use the word danger, but I'll use it. Mm -hmm. A definite danger in the ways, and this comes back to, again, the need for consistency and, and, and learning and some kind of understanding of reality. Hence again, that word real, uh, there's a danger in specifically suggesting that one, like you said, you can turn your brain off or your thoughts off or two, even more provocative yet, I would say dangerous escape reality. Mm -hmm. And of course, or maybe not, of course, but there are disclaimers and footnotes that go to that, which is like, I can't explain like a trip. I can't explain like uh, people who have psychedelic experiences or um, seemingly out of out of body experiences. Or uh, there is that which is unexplainable. Mm -hmm. Does that mean though that that's worth desiring on a normal basis? Um, you're shaking your head no I, I, very clearly, but this, this yeah, but clearly, oh. but that's but that's what's tempt. But why mm -hmm. again? Why is that tempting though? Because you okay, go for it. <laughs> I mean, actually, you're asking the wrong person because the word psychedelics. It's just for me. It it's such. I get there's a space and a environment and 
I don't think you're the wrong person because I'm not into it either. I'm acknowledging that it's relevant if, because I'm going, I'm always going to like, well, what are like holes you can poke at anything to make, to make, like to further refine the point of view? Well, one person could poke a hole, let's say, but how do you explain the literal um, feeling of being connected to uh, something beyond your comprehension or like in a, for example, ayahuasca trip, like, You know, have you ever seen the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey? Yeah. So the ending, near the ending when the particular astronaut or whatever, I think it's Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, Been a while. Yeah. yeah, whatever his name is. So mm-hmm. I know Hal, I think it's Steve, but I wouldn't do that, Steve. Anyway, Steve is having his journey through the cosmos and all the shapes and everything are appearing. And Kubrick may or may not have been aware of what he was perhaps mm-hmm. capturing but that is actually an image that i can't explain and i know people have had that image a lot it's imagery like that with trips i'm just mm-hmm. saying that's an example of something that doesn't necessarily fit in the uh you're just focusing when you're meditating exactly right but but you were going to point out something else about why it's not no, a hundred percent. No. And I was just going to say, because I have been on the other side of that coin as well. Like I went through a really bad car accident when I was 18 years old and I did, you know, I don't know, I went unconscious and I did have that, you know, so I, I know that side too, but I feel like you said to be in this world and to be a human and, you know, be connected because I feel like connection with others and community is so important. It's, it's part of my work. So to be in community, to be connected, psychedelics and all this like disconnection from the self doesn't fit into that equation. Mm. You know, it's a very individualistic uh, and, and like you said, unexplained experience and, Yes, you get the euphoria. Yes, you get the sense that, you know, all the things that you can sense while you're in meditation too. I just feel like people don't, haven't really learned the benefits, the true benefits of meditation. Because if I I know through my experience through meditation, you don't, you know, you don't have to do psychedelics. You don't have to, you know, drink alcohol or medicate yourself or do drugs and all these things to get that quote unquote high you know, that people get. So, but yeah, it just, for me, it's not something that I would integrate or be, you know, uh, like practice or whatever. People have been coming to me for ayahuasca as friends because they know I'm very spiritual and they know. That's why I brought it up. Cause I, I, you're not the wrong person. No, you need to come to the ayahuasca ceremony and, you know, come with me to Peru and, I'm like, it just doesn't. And I, I see books, you know, in the library, sometimes they'll drop like literally in front of me, like they'll just fall off the shelf, like ayahuasca. It always comes up in my life. And I just, I'm not, I'm not interested. I just, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. It's not something that I would partake in, I guess. But I, I hear from people that it's amazing. So to each, again, the individual experience to each one's own <laughs> but it still it still comes back to the very organic um foundational question for this particular conversation of of the week for you and me which is how 
no matter what, don't you want your normal state to be of a certain quality? Mm-hmm. Which is to say, no matter what, not because of medicine exactly. in quotes. The not because- of, right, exactly. Not because <clears throat> of the effect from X, Y, and Z, 100%. And if you do, then what the hell has to re what do you need to reorganize what needs what it what what's really going on and i think you're right when you said something about community it comes the part of the danger again one well the third part that you pointed out i mean we said escapism to um we're not yeah you want to you can't turn your quote-unquote brain off i mean that's mm-hmm. like that desiring to die mm-hmm. so the other part too much individuality, too much individualism, too much focus on quote unquote self. None mm-hmm. of the things that I think we're describing and and people are desiring are actually possible in that realm of it being about oneself, being about individual being. And no matter what the context, like you can continue. I don't think you can, anytime you put borders around your sense of self, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're you're making it harder than it has to be. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I almost feel like, you know, the times where I was most in need, right? Like the times where I was most <laughs> like, what are you? Are well, you- I just thought to myself, okay, so then somebody hears that and then they go to the other extreme of no self. That's not the point either. No, 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 no. It's not, <laughs> no, but I was just going to say like the times that I felt probably my lowest instead of, pouring in, right? People are now like preaching, pour into yourself, right? It's like, that's been an opportunity for me to help and to volunteer, to go clean up a beach or to go, you know, do group workouts or, you know, to join forces with other people and to help, right? To give of yourself to others in community. That That's where I felt I've been able to surpass some of my biggest challenges in life is coming together with other people and going through, you know, betterment and improvement, either of societies, communities, uh, you know, friendships, relationships, et cetera, as a whole, not as an individual. Yeah. Doesn't it just come down to needing both essentially? I mean, there's a balance in that too. Yeah, I feel. I mean, now I've opened up a can of worms because I mentioned balance, right? <laughs> like, what is balance? <laughs> I just had this discussion with one of my friends. What well, is, is there objectivity to balance? Mm-hmm. Is there is is balance objective? And you know, all of this implies, of course, that first off, we're fundamentally agreeing on a few things. One, we're agreeing that this is real. Uh, I, I'm shocked that that's, I'm not shocked, but I noticed that that's actually something that has to be declared in some respects. Like if you're trying to have these kind of, kind of conversations where the focus is establishing a, a potentially better approach, a potentially better paradigm, like, okay, so first things first, let, let's agree this is real. Clearly that's implied here, but it's worth stating because that's not necessarily true for all of us. And I don't know what to do with those people, but mm-hmm. I know they exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we we just say hi. Right. And 
So then there's the question of like, is balance, is there an objective version of balance? I would say yes, but, and I'm not saying yes, and I'm saying yes, but. Yes, mm -hmm. but is that you can't force it, mm -hmm. which is ironic in some ways. And it requires everyone's own relation. Everybody has their own relationship with it. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That, that to me, there's, there are certain elements to that statement that are relatively ubiquitous. Like, yes, and you can't force it. And everybody gets to relate to it in their own way. Mm -hmm. I would agree a hundred percent. The balance even, is, yeah. So then what is the balance? Yeah. So what were you going to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to say even the definition of it, you know, I was speaking to one of my close friends who's a mom of two kids. Um, and we were talking about balance because I actually posted something about balance, but it was very personal to me and, you know, someone else kind of took it very personally like oh you can't like preach you know balance to a mother and I'm like wait like but you know balance is relative you know and yeah like to your point but her well, balance is relative depending on what on the relationship but that doesn't mean that it still doesn't exist on a depending on the scale the problem is always coming back to scales and context right exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that mean to you? <laughs> so for me, I mean, my, my context and my skill. So I, I literally did little emojis to my friend when she asked, so what's your definition of balance today? And I did like heads flipping, you know, like doing cartwheels. And because I know for me, I always have to be active and involved in movement. You know, there's time for decompression and there's time for recovery but most of my days if i'm not you know involved in different projects i it's it's not good for me and that that you know like for me cooking i'll tell you what balance is not for me balance is not coming home cooking having a nice dinner going to sleep and then waking up the next day to do a 9 to 5 you know, that's that to me, that's not balanced family time, etc. For me, balance is yes, spending time with family, it's prioritizing what's important to me. And what I get excited about that's, that's my balance. And just because you know, when we when we, you know, communicate a lot of the times, I'm like driving, you know, and I'm like, Oh, this is this but but I'm in balance at that point. I'm actually in balance. So you're you meditating. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for someone else, you know, they look at me, I wake up at five o'clock every morning, I do my training, I have an hour of training, I have breakfast, I'll do my work. And then in between my work, I'll have my breaking up the day. So I'll have a lunch with a friend or I'll walk, or I'll do something. And then the rest of the day involves more, you know, mayhem, if you will, but someone looking out externally at my life is you know, she, she has zero balance. She's all over the place. But for me, it actually taps on, you know, my interests, my values, what I need as a human. And so for me, I feel like I'm in balance, but that's why I say it's relative because I speak about balance and I'm like balance to, to the average person. My definition of balance is complete mayhem to someone else. You know, like I could go to a basketball game, 
just went to watch the heat like two weeks ago. Yeah, I remember. And it was after, yeah, it was after a day that anyone like you'd come home, you'd want to pass out, you know, but I, my day I felt was just getting started. Like I was getting to the exciting part. Like I'm going to the heat game, you know? So yeah, I, for me, it has to involve, you know, what you like movement. It has to involve meaningful conversations, connections, family. Well, let, let's, you, you echoed it, but let's hone in on, especially because I'm aware of the clock, <clears throat> respecting oh, your, your yes. need to drive somewhere. Um, I, I said you can't. I've got, I've got half an hour more. I don't, I'm not. Oh, you have till four. I yeah, yeah, we yeah. Have... Oh, okay. We're good. That's why I asked you. I'm like, how much time do we have? Because oh, I just want yeah. to make sure. Yeah, I haven't, I have 30 minutes more. We're good. We just, it's like, we just put in the coin. It's like, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we have these conversations, it's like you put keep in inserting coin. coins. <laughs> I just, yeah. No, keep the meter running. Keep the meter running. Yeah, yeah. Go, go. Um, all right. Well, then we don't have to force it, but ironically, we'll stick with that. What I was mm-hmm. about to do, which is hone in on this concept of you can't force it. That's a very important point in that people want freedom. Mm-hmm. In other words, you like, I like, you like being able to organize your day the way you are talking about organizing your day. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of ways to point out how, depending on how the overall collective and larger context is organized, you can't do what you just described. And I can't do what I'm doing. Right. It's inherently dependent upon other factors. Question I have, I guess, is we may think that we're just... The the word freedom is a very provocative word to me, and I'd like to talk about it, but we may, I will say this, think that it's freedom when we have that ability to create our own balance. And I'm not so sure that it actually is. In fact, I'm willing to say it's not, depending on how we, how well we're, how much, how aware we are of the whole picture. Okay. So go on. You're, yeah. You look yes. Like, I, uh, know. <laughs> I know. I know because I question that also in my life as well. I question it also, but what I found is, you know, you do need structure. So I, because yeah, I, I know. Well, someone. you clearly have your own structure. It's just a question of how do you, why do you get to be able to have your own structure the way that you have it? And for, and all of us, not just you, why do all yeah. of us mm-hmm. like the ability to have your own structure is questionably valuable. I've, I question the value of that. And of course, not to get rid of it completely. <laughs> Right. So we're then talking what about balance be, here. <laughs> right. So what would be the ideal? Are you asking me? Yeah. Knowing we can't force it. Mm-hmm. Um, to a large extent, it looks like more structure to me. Mm-hmm. But not too much, you know, and that's, you know, Let's on. Let's go. Let's go further with that. But 
I think no matter what the answer is, not being able to force it, that phrase represents a really important, almost ineffable distinction, which is to say, if we simply thought of it as a formula and we just had to like maintain the scales, mm-hmm. like to think of it that way, I fundamentally suspect that that doesn't work to think of it as some sort of scale that we just have to have control over. I fundamentally think that that's actually a problem and that's actually wrong. Yes. That's actually the arrogance of being human. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's just make sure. Like, no, well, we just have to move a little bit over here because yeah, I, like, I no. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Okay. What do you agree with those? I didn't. This is something that I was speaking. I mean, this, I feel like I'm having this conversation that I had with my friend last week all over again. So even her logo, um, talks about, you know, she was looking for logos for her like consultancy and her coaching. And it's all about balance, but balance is tipped. So she has like, like the balance, it's not a balance. It's like this. And she said, you know, when I was looking for this, everyone, all the graphic designers came to me with these bloody, you know, scales. And she's like, I hate that. I hate that. And I'm like, exactly. And to your point, it's not for me. This is why I mentioned the five or four areas that I mentioned to you, like mind, body, soul, spirit, mind, body, soul, spirit. Is it four? Anyway, it's, it's more holistic. Mm -hmm. It's not individual and just, you know, tipping of one versus the other. It's when you get, I almost see it as like a circle. What, what do you have holistically that helps it maintain its shape versus like one side tipping up and down, you know, whether you, you know, put on one side versus another, it's more about what areas are you tapping into that are important to you that you can maintain that, like, I don't want to use the word bubble because COVID, like we're all like living in this bubble, but you know, it's kind of, it's a more holistic view versus scalable. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I, th- I see, and I'm glad your friend didn't like the scales either. It's, I mean, just, br- just break the scales. So what do we have left? What we have left is arguably nothing, but of course that's not true. If we just don't have the scales yet, we still believe there's a, there's a potential for balance. The question is, how do we relate to it? I think it mostly comes down to realizing it's not about forcing, it's about allowing if we, but let's not think of that as a dualistic distinction. It's a question of, it's a question of intention. It's a question of what do we literally believe being on earth requires of us? Does it require us to micromanage and to control and to dominate and to be, um, had to have power over all the time? And essentially to just be compulsive, even obsessive compulsive. Is that what we believe or do we believe something else? That's really the question when it comes down to freedom and force and yeah. balance. Yeah. And I don't think, I think that's actually baked into the cake of re- of like religions mostly mm-hmm. is that goal, if you will, to to understand something that has been unfortunately uh, perceived as 
otherworldly or supernatural or divine or whatever wording you want, as opposed to actually what humans are capable of. Uh, we just haven't normalized that capability yet. The capability to mostly, like you said, meditation and peace go hand in hand. Why the hell are we always having to preach about peace? It's insane. We're insane. Like why? Because we're compulsive nut jobs. We're, we're compulsive and we're not doing anything intelligent. We're insane. Right. We're preaching about peace yet we can't get any, we can't get a fucking act together on any scale with respect to peace. We're insane. We have to acknowledge that our, our mechanisms are ass backwards. That's essentially what it comes down to but not throw them all away as many people would point out not throw the baby out with the bathwater <laughs> we'll do that <laughs> well i figured i should just try to say something really blunt there yeah okay. um i don't know did that sound i'm not sure to what extent anything we're saying necessarily makes sense yeah no no that that totally resonates with me um, yeah, I mean, just speaking about the word freedom alone, I mean, you mentioned like the dangers of, you know, what we were discussing before, but I feel, cause I've seen the opposite too, of where freedom is like no boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, total flexibility. And like you said, if we go to the opposite end of that spectrum, that, that becomes really dangerous too. So I do agree that there is... <laughs> balance in balance if you will well we're doing the best we have with the words we have right i, <laughs> I told you i don't use fancy words like you <laughs> me what did i say it was fancy i would remember my language my first language is spanish so i have to do a lot of in my brain um i wonder what but what's the spanish word for it's it's actually is yeah it's, yeah yeah, yeah, that wasn't the word. The word that word is fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> so funny. But no, but it's you know it's it's having the boundaries and the sustaining what you know where your limits are and that defining that structure. You know, I because I also feel like there is a place for laws, for structure, for all of that. You know, absolutely, yeah. I think it's a question of just what is our foundational attitude for creating the laws, for creating the structure? What is our foundational belief for creating the laws, for creating the structure? That's yeah. what needs upgrading. It's right. not the need for structure, the need for right. laws, the need for freedom, the need for yeah. balance, the need for um, micromanaging some things. The need, it's the what's the fundamental paradigm and belief and mechanism behind it all yeah and the tension as well right yeah i don't know if that i don't i try not to use that word because i think it gets too new agey but yeah yeah yeah. um but it's it's accurate in that in this conversation yeah yeah like your compass your drive like yeah i just want to go further because i think there's so much that's not obvious you know the i mentioned feldenkrais one of my teachers he wrote a book called the elusive obvious and movement shows you more clearly i think than anything else i've discovered 
or I've 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 played with uh, meditation to me goes hand in hand with movement though shows you where certain um even intentions are driven by a mechanism or belief or compulsion that you didn't know well enough and really it comes down to recognizing that you're a product of thousands of years not mm-hmm. just two people or a petri dish or um some big question marks, maybe you were an orphan. You're a product of thousands of years. You're a product of his, of so much, mm-hmm. no matter where you are at this point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there's a lot more to you and how you operate than what you're probably told as a kid or what you're probably taught or what you grew up believing. And it's it's just a question of can we can we see that better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's also not about us seeing it within ourselves or as humans better. It's also about the systems that are in place that do need to shift. So we talk about like the boundaries and those, you know, laws and policies and, you know, the way things are working and have been working to date. It's also how the systems, not just humanity and individuals, but I feel, I mean, you touch on this, it's generational. I, I'm not going to say curses, but it's, it's, it's a lineage and it's, yeah, it's very, very heritage. Yeah. It's very rooted, right? Like it's not something that change overnight, but also, I don't think you have to say curses. (laughs) No, no, I know. I'm not, I'm not, I, I know I'm, I'm not, but you know, the systems that have helped humanity and have helped us as humans grow and develop that, that all of that is breaking down too. So it's about recreating the systems in place. Well, that we used to know were in place and adopting that and integrating that into our new sort of realities. Well, all right. So I love the word worked, like then when something works, like the systems that have worked, you use that phrase. We, we have that word. I don't know what that means to be frank. I'm not sure <clears throat> what's worked and hasn't worked. I do know that people like to point out that we're supposedly living longer than we did, uh, mm-hmm. depending on your time frame. Okay, great. That that's an easy, arg- you can see how that argument makes some sense. People like to point out that, yeah, so that means lifespan has increased in a mm-hmm. certain context. Um, poverty, I guess, supposedly has decreased in a certain context. And I can go down a probably, a, there's probably a list, like a bullet point list of ways that statistically people who analyze this kind of data, given a certain time frame, say, well, certainly things are working if you look at it in this particular way. Mm-hmm. And working in that case means improved. Mm-hmm. for enough for a large enough group of people. Majority, right. Um, mm-hmm. All right. I guess, because I can see how it could sound a certain way, like you're not, like I'm not grateful or that it's cynical, and I don't think it is. It's, it's neither one of those, but 
I guess I also mostly still see that as lazy or oversimplified if you're willing to let the data just be data and also say, yeah, how many people do you know, though, that really feel clear about and secure and safe in their own skin, feel clear about what the hell they're alive for? Okay, so we have life span supposedly improving over in certain areas over a certain period of time, poverty supposedly decreasing in certain areas over a certain period of time. Is there a third one I'm missing? Because those are the two I know for sh- that people like to reference. Is there a third one? I mean, I haven't researched this. But okay, well, I, I, let's, I let's assume there's a third one, and it, yeah. it, it highlights the same basic sort of um, progress, if you will. But I'm not really sure why that's a good enough stance to have. And does that mean things are working? It seems to me no, because you can come up with a long list of other pieces that mostly seem to lead most people feeling pretty fucking insecure. Right. But it's about the quality, too. I mean, you're mentioning things that are even though you get older. Well, insecurity being irrelevant, relevant to quality. But OK, so go on. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the quality of those years. So one person could live. Yes. You know, until they're 30, I, for myself, I felt like I had already lived a full lifetime, like a hundred year old woman by the time I was 30 years old, because I had been through so much. So for me, it's, you know, it's, it's all relative. It's about the quality of life that you bring into your life span. It's not your age range lifespan. It's, I mean, even me, like, you know, people are like, oh, you have such a young spirit. You're such a young soul. You know, it's just, you meet people who are 15 and, you know, have a sick, you know, 80 year old uh, mentality and are just, you know, not, you have people who are 96 and are living like they're 15. You know, I had a great aunt who passed away. She was 99, I think. She, she was right on the cusp of like a hundred and she was the most lively woman. Every time we'd go to visit her, she was super sharp present she could hold a full conversation she had eyes like in the back of her head she knew what was going on it's just it's the quality of your life not your life age life span right and i was only pointing out those um examples of how things suppose some people could say things are better than before things are working i was just highlighting those examples because i know those are the most used examples and to your point, yes. It, what's it, those are the examples used to sort of dismiss any critique that uh, any any whether it's relevant or or excessive or too lean leaning in any particular way, like critiques. Like those are the examples people I know use the most. But I'll just, in my own world, point out that I don't know many people no matter what their socioeconomic background, their ancestry, their heritage, who seem to mostly feel good enough. And I would rather compare to, say, a blue zone. If we're going to go with some sort of statistic or analysis that's been relevant for decades, like blue zones, like let's compare to a blue zone of quote-unquote happiness. Let's compare to places where there are the most centenarians. if we're interested in longevity. 
what are the components there as opposed to like I think our our uh, our standard is not high enough, quite frankly. Right, exactly. No, I was just going to say, but that goes back to the point about quality and also definition of what the norm and the the average person understands it as very, yeah. you know, obvious. You know, you talk about seeing the not obvious and the obvious, you know, it's like those are very obvious. Yeah. People don't, people. I find those poverty statistics and those um, lifespan statistics to be insulting, mostly. Like, yeah. wow. And yeah, that's yeah. that's good enough, right? That's good enough for like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just we've been taught it's like as humans too. We tend to, you know, the first port of call when something happens is for us to default to negative. It's not to think of the possibilities and the opportunities that may lie in, you know, in in what's good and what's positive. We default to you know, what's wrong? What just happened? I don't know if you read um, Malcolm Gladwell's latest book. I don't know if he has a new one. It's called Talking to Strangers, but that's that's his argument. He talks about how we default, you know, how we always default. It's human nature. We always default to the norm, you know, the average, like the consensus of understanding and learning. And I think that's where the that's where the issue stems from. You know, there's no one coming in, you know, like you redefining these, uh, not boundaries, but these like. Um, I just think we need less arbitrary standards and more open ended, open minded beliefs. And, <clears throat> you know, on the one hand, you could say that I'm being cynical or negative by saying that the. um the poverty is the poverty is lower. The lifespan is higher. I could sound cynical by saying that's not a good enough basis. Based, on, but the context is I I'm thinking of specific people and where they're coming from. They're coming from normally a defense of the current systems, as to as if to say these are the best, these are good enough. Let's not improve them. It's like no, right? They we we all of it. We can still be no matter what. Whether no matter what, even if things were, um, <laughs> the fantasy of a utopia, we would still need to improve. We would still need to pay attention. We would still, as we are simply alive, as we are simply engaged in life, we need to be engaged in something improving. It's just, yeah, what do we actually believe is possible? Really, that's like you said, the possibilities. Are we? paying enough attention to what we actually believe is possible. Because I know I'm not interested in naming any of the people I'm thinking about as I'm, as this conversation is going where it's going, but I know they're coming from a place of fear fundamentally. Like they're afraid we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of stuff if we try to make things better. It's like, that's, that's insulting. Like we don't have to ref, um, regress to some kind of primitive or, um terrifying version of of an extreme to um to progress we're enough of us are capable of critical thinking and not being like reductionist or reactive like we can in fact we need to that's why we're talking you and i appreciating each yeah. other we need to know what's the deeper belief right. 
I want to say belief more than anything. The belief. What's the belief? And a lot of times I think it is about, like I just said, um, you said what's possible. What is, what does it mean to be human? What is, what is possible as a human? Do you have a good enough belief about that? Probably not. No. And you should. You should have a better belief about that. (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, should, should, yeah. (laughs) No, I'm using that word on purpose. If you care. Yeah, you need to. Yeah. I I don't have a problem with the word should, depending on the context. For me, for me, but I think in general as humanity, you know, I, I always wanted to study neurology because I know that we use like 70% of our brain, right? It's like, where does the 30, like, what do we do with the 70? I I thought it was lower. But whatever, some not a hundred, right? Wrong. It's it's not a hundred. So I've always wondered, like, what does it take to use? Because for me, it all it all stems from up here, and it's that's part of the possibility. It's I, you know, there's a. I'm thinking in Spanish. That's why it's difficult communicating because this this it's like a a legend. It's a un cuento. It's like a a story that's told when uh and i don't know if it was christopher columbus like i don't know whoever there was a story about that i read in a book and i forget what it was which book it was but i know the story it was when you know these people came to the land and they didn't they hadn't seen like you know uh like actual boats like big ships they had never i don't know if you've heard of this it's like they hadn't seen the ships ever. They they had been out in the water. They hadn't encountered any other human. Like it was just them. They discovered the land. And there's, they see like one of them saw the ships coming in. The others couldn't, they couldn't see them because in their mind, they had never captured or even had any sort of context or vision of what a, sh- a real ship looks like. And so for them, they in their mind's eye, they couldn't they couldn't even grasp it. And it was right in front of their face, like it was staring right at them. So I almost feel like, you know, the human potential, the human I, I say I don't know, because if I say I know that's that's like me already knowing that I've been exposed to that reality. And for me, I, I can't say confidently that I have, you know. You probably haven't, but not knowing is actually the to the me. Knowing. That's is the point. Well, no, it just means you're open to the new. Yeah. As opposed to thinking it's that we're done. I, I know, but how do you then? I have a question. How do you realize when it comes if you don't know it? Like the unknown. So, like, okay, COVID. You know, the pandemic. We could define it. But what about other things that are undefined or, you know, they, 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 I, they haven't, I mean, I'm getting to a whole different. That's good. Yeah. Right. I mean, you talk about being real. Um, I, I, have just, an, I have a thought. I have a thought. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking about <laughs> gap. Like how do you fill that gap? I don't think we need that answer. I don't think we. I'm going to use the word again, should be able to give that answer because life requires us to simply be open to something new that we 
prior yeah. to it, prior to seeing it, can't see. Period. That's the essence of creativity. That's the essence of, I think, yeah. existence. And humans have the ability. That That's what makes us, it's so exciting to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So regardless of that, though, and we are going to have to actually stop in a second here. Um, <laughs> here, here's what I would put out in general to prior to, uh, yeah, it, don't even try to have that answer. I would say, what's, hang on one second, let me yell to this guy. It's okay, my dog is trying to come. <laughs> Be right out, Eugene. Uh, we're gonna edit that part out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you need to edit this too. No, <laughs> probably I'm like, not. No, no, no. I think I think just was just that, that your one. son? Because my son just came knocking on my door. <laughs> yeah, there's no. That's actually my next appointment. But um, and we're probably gonna talk about more of this. I'm gonna. This this will be my mic drop for the moment. Then you can do what you want with this. Instead of trying to figure it all out, which I think is a lost cause, I think that's mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. terrible idea because it gets to the exact point I'm about to make. Mm. Notice instead any compulsion you have to finish something, to, 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 to complete, to bring it to an ending. That's what I would focus on. Any drive that's rooted in getting to an ending any belief that orients you to thinking or just striving for some sort of completion that's what i would clean up that's right. my priority that yeah I think. yeah no that makes sense well i'm not sure it's obvious i don't think it's obvious why that makes sense that's another time i guess yeah, I'm like to be continued. I feel well, like we yeah. didn't even scratch the surface about we were we were planning on talking. About That's that. fine with me. It's good. We did. What we, so do you funny. well? Do you want to say why that makes sense to you though, or is it too much for now? Because it's it, no. I mean, for me, it's it's obvious because you're. I mean, I I live my life. I always tell people, you know, you got to leave room. You can't be like a planner. You can't know it all. You got to leave room for you know, magic. And like you said, creativity, because that's essentially what is our human part of our human makeup and all knowing. It's like, when you think of all knowing, you think of, you know, I mean, I, I believe in God, but you know, all knowing describe, you know, things described as all knowing as God is things that are outside ourselves. So I was just talking about this, like how nowadays everybody's trying to act, you know, trying to be God, you know, in today's world, right? Saving our world. It's, that's another topic for another day. It's like people are acting like God. Everyone wants to step up and be, have the answers and save the world. And, oh, we're coming through the hero. But you're right. There is a space for, that's why I feel it makes sense to me because there, there should be a space for unknown, I, my response, I guess, to your question was more about our potential more than anything and our human capacity, which I feel has been untapped. I, I still feel that there is more to the human, you know, our, our human potential. 
maybe it's not from the all knowing, maybe it's not filling that gap. Maybe it's not, you know, knowing at all, whatever, but there is something to be said about, I, you know, me feeling like we definitely haven't reached that yet. So. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to leave it at that? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Can I, can I put a little bow on that at the end? (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) <laughs> not trying to have the the last word for before we pause, but I, I again, I guess just reiterating how I phrased it a, a second ago, even the idea <clears throat> of human potential as something we arrive at to me fundamentally gets in the way of what we're describing. And if I had to pick a phrase, I would say focus on how we, it's back to this whole force and freedom and power and allowing, like, where is it that we're not actually just allowing for life? And what the hell does it mean to, for something to work if it's not allowing for more life? What does, what's working if there isn't more life? What the fuck does our standard for work mean if life is getting interrupted if life is disrupted oh but that that is that is a whole other topic no that is this topic (laughs) no but i'm saying i could (laughs) you like to get started on that it would be another for me like it's it's a whole other session like it's a whole other like how long have we talked which feels like five minutes hour and a half it feels like five minutes we've been talking but that but that is another topic literally for like a whole a whole other discussion that I can give you like examples and share my personal perspective on that but that's like that's huge well then let's just pause for part before part two then yeah okay so that'll be part one all right <laughs> part one you know what I mentioned I'm like I'm doing a series and look I manifested it <laughs> you might be you might be doing a series today we're just getting started this is so funny <laughs> well it is i mean it's not part one for us it's just part one recorded but hey, right, yeah, exactly. let's call no, it a, let's call it a series okay all cool. right so that was part one <laughs> Done. check enjoy your drive thank you so much it's so good to connect with you nice to see you again you too you too all right drive soon. safely and okay. enjoy the the Enjoy the, the, se- the season. Yeah. The, the party. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. See ya. Bye. Oh, that was good. That was really good. Thank you, Rebecca. We will continue soon. And thank you all for listening. And thank you to our sponsors. I'll be highlighting all of you in a fun way in the next intro. Um, the next episode will either be Barb or the... Or Jessica and David of the Doylestown Cardinal. I don't know which because neither one of them has sent me their bios yet. <laughs> Hopefully they do soon. Um, they're very different episodes, I will say for sure, but they're they're wonderful. It is the end of June, or sorry, it is the end of May. We're going to be wrapping up the first half in June. I'm um, going to try to get a couple more episodes in before the course starts on June 27th. Then after that, we're going to start repeating guests. Okay, and we're going to be releasing slower. So there'll be less episodes coming out per month. Uh, there's just so much to do 
and we're going to get more out of each episode. They're going to be more rich because why the hell not? What we need to discuss in Movement Matters is increasingly more and more clear. And I'd rather not beat around the bush. I'd rather get straight to it and continue to just be specific, specific, specific. That's what we need. And that's what we're learning, how to do that and why to do that. So thank you for listening. Thank you again to our sponsors. We'll see you in the next episode. You all rock. More later.